man, what a time we had this morning on Pentecost Sunday. I love, I love, I love the presence of God, and it is so incredible. And uh, I, I just got to say this because I like cool stories. Um, Sister, Sister Darlene Gervich, uh, she has, has a, a friend that she had invited to church, Sister uh, Ethel Hill, and Sister Ethel Hill's been coming for, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe a month or so now, and she was here, and then this morning another family came, and uh, they were down in Branson of all places, and while they were in Branson, Sister Sally and Brother Tom somewhere just started talking, and uh, they got connected in Branson, Missouri of all places, and this family lives here uh, around this area, and they came to church today, and they loved it, and they were so thankful, so I appreciate you, Sister Sally, and your husband, and for stepping out, and for Sister Darlene for stepping out and, and leading people, but here's the thing, they did not know uh, because they are related to Sister Ethel Hill and they didn't know that this was her church too. And I kind of like how God orchestrates some things and you have no idea all of the interest, uh, all of the, whatever that word is, uh, it's in my mind, but all the little fine ways that God weaves his way in and so I want to encourage you, keep sharing the gospel, keep talking to people, keep inviting them because God is doing an incredible work in this church and in your lives and in this area and I want it to keep going on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Here, uh, this verse is not going to make a lot of sense to us right now, but when we get done to at the end, it will. For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept unto judgment. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And this is where I want you to just, just grab a hold of it because we're going to come back to this. <clears throat> uh, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this verse, but I want you to pay close attention. It talked about righteous Lot and his soul that was distressed because of where he was living. And I want to preach to you by the help of the Lord, and if my voice will hold up, I want to preach to you about the tragedy of Lot. We preach a lot, we talk a lot about the, the tragedy of Lot's wife and the fact that she turned around and the fact that she turned into a pillar of salt. But I, and I know the Bible says remember Lot's wife, but I think we need to do ourselves a favor and remember not only Lot's wife, but remember the tragedy of Lot. And I want to preach to you sitting in this congregation. I want to preach to Austin and Amber and Kea as you take this next step into uh, the place that, that you have in your future and I think it's high time that we heed the warnings of this. I want us to pray right now in the precious name of Jesus. Father, 
I'm asking that you would let your word once again come alive in this place. Would you speak to those that are here? And would you let us hear the word of God and understand it? And Lord, I pray especially for our graduates because I believe that this applies to them now more than ever before as they face their future and the unknown. And I pray, Lord, that we would not walk the path of Lot, but we would learn from his tragedy and we would see that you have something better for us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. The, um, as the story of Lot begins to unfold, we find that Lot was Abraham's nephew. Lot was, uh, he, uh, Lot's father had died and probably that is why Lot and Abraham are so connected because uh, in that culture if a brother died his family kind of was taken care of by his other brother and so that's most likely why Lot was there. And so Abraham left the country of Ur and began to travel to where God had called him into the promised land and Lot went with him. It was during this time that as they grew, verse uh, 2 of Genesis chapter 13 begins to tell us that Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he journeyed from the Negab as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai where he'd made an altar. And Lot was there and Lot had herds and Lot had a vast wealth. Abraham uh, we don't, you know, it, it's hard to look at these, these patriarchs and judge them, but, but honestly, Abraham would have been uh, a billionaire in today's economy. Abraham and, and the blessings that God had bestowed upon him, Abraham would be talked in the same voice as Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos or, uh, 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 you know, all of those that have this incredible wealth that you cannot even fathom. And maybe by virtue of hanging with Abraham and walking with Abraham, Lot had found himself in a position, instead of being an orphan, instead of being lost because his parents had died, but Lot now is experiencing the blessings of God. His own herds are growing. His own wealth is growing. His own family is growing. And in this, it began to pose a problem. Again, this was a nomadic experience and lifestyle. They would, they would set up camp around an oasis or around a water hole and they would let, you know, stay there for a couple days or weeks, maybe months, and they would let their animals graze. They would let their animals drink, but pretty soon all the grass and all the firewood had been cut and they would go another place and they would, this nomad, and they realized that the flocks and the wealth of Abraham and Lot just they couldn't really stay together. They couldn't find enough place to graze their flock. They couldn't find enough places to water their flocks. And so Abraham said, you know, I know it's been a struggle. You want your cattle to have good grass. I want my cattle to have good grass. And so why don't we separate? In fact, as we stand here on this mountain and we look into the future, I, I won't, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you first, Lot. Wherever you want to go, you go one way and let your life start, and I'll go the other way, and I know the blessings of God would be there, and Lot began to look. On one side, he had what the Bible says are the well-watered plains. 
of, of Sodom and Gomorrah in the direction of Zoar. He said it was that Jordan Valley that looked like the garden of the Lord. It was like Egypt. It was, it, it was absolutely beautiful and Lot could not get his eyes off that. Abraham was left with didn't look quite that good, a mountainous region, a region that the water holes might be a bit farther apart and they, they, they might not be able to go. And, but Lot turned his face to Sodom. Again, you and I have the privilege of knowing the rest of the story and it's easy for us to realize that, that Lot made a tragic decision regarding his future. And I'm talking to each and every one of us here. And I'm talking to Kay. I'm talking to Amber. And I'm talking to Austin as well. That as you stand on the precipice of your future. And everything is open towards you. You, I honestly, I, I, I saw one of my friends told me today. Or said on Facebook today. They said, my mom and dad told me I could be anybody I wanted to be when I grew up. Unfortunately, they call that identity theft. And I'm now in jail. But in reality, that, that really is true. All of us start with the same abilities. I really believe you and I, we can be anybody, anything we want to be. It's just how hard do you want to work it? It's what direction do you want to go? What schooling do you want to take? What, you know, what, how do you want to train yourself? But now as you young people, as you stand at that precipice of your future and you're looking out and, you're, and I hope you're praying. I hope you're praying. If you haven't prayed about what your next steps is, I failed as a pastor and, and this church has failed and you failed. You, I hope that you have said, Lord, what am I going to do with my life? But, but they stand there and lot got fixated on the wealth and the, the seeming, uh, you know, bustling industry of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot allowed himself to be swayed by materialistic things. Lot said, if I go there, life's going to be easy. If I go there, the grass is going to grow, the, 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 the animals, it's just going to be awesome. I'll go there. But the Bible puts this, this footnote in. As beautiful as Sodom and Gomorrah and the well-watered plains of Zor was, the Bible says, now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. The Bible says that Lot, and now again, you know me, I've done this for about the last year and a half or so. I read and study uh, right now the version is the English Standard Version. In the English Standard Version, it says he moved his tent as far as Sodom. In the King James Version, it says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Either one of those works, but I believe that Lot, when he woke up every morning and he came to his tent door and he threw it open, he was facing Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was looking at the bustling industry and he was looking at all the things he could get. It looked good. It felt good. It, it, it was a place, if you will, that was going to be easy and he thought his future was going to be bright. 
The problem and the tragedy of Lot is watching this decline because Lot had been with Abraham and Lot had been blessed by God but now you begin to see it very quickly that Lot first turned his eyes towards the world and then slowly but surely he began to face the world and slowly step by step, moment by moment, day by day, Lot found himself not only on the outskirts of that wicked place but instead he found himself in Sodom and Gomorrah. We find, and I preached about it a little bit in the last couple of months, in in Genesis chapter 14 that uh, kings came and took over Sodom and Gomorrah and they stole and they, they pillaged and they kidnapped Lot and his family and Abraham had to go rescue them. But it didn't deter Lot. Lot appreciated the finer things of life. And, and it was, the Bible says, in, verse nine, in, in chapter 19, verse 1, we, we know that the angels came up to, uh, to uh, Abraham and said, Abraham, you know, God is very displeased with what is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. God is displeased with this, this unrighteousness and this, uh, just this awful way that they're living. And so God is going to destroy it. And Abraham said, oh, wait, my family's in there. And so Abraham begins to negotiate with God. You know, if there's 50 righteous, would you spare the city? uh, You know what? Maybe there won't be 50 righteous. If there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, will you please not destroy the city? And the Lord got as low as 10, and he said, I won't destroy the city if there's 10 righteous people. But then you flip the page, Genesis chapter 19, those two angels came to Sodom in the evening and the Bible says Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. This is a lot more than just an, a, a man sitting and kind of watching things and people watching. If you understand anything about the, the, the historical significance, when a person would sit at the gates, this became a place of politics. This became a place of leadership. This was a place that the elders would sit and if you had a, a, a dispute, if you had a problem, you would come to the gates of the city and the elders of that city would, would litigate that case and they would basically act as judge and jury. And so the dilemma of Lot is this. Lot got his eyes fixed on the materialistic things of this world. Look how good it looks. There's a lot of money over there. There's a lot of prestige over there. I don't have to be a nomadic herder anymore. I I can go there and maybe make a name for myself. And Lot began to make that slow decline. The tragedy of Lot was he went from looking at it He went from being near it, he went from being in it to being a major part of the politics and the leading of that city. The tragedy of Lot was he he, he just could not stay away. Those two angels, they they would have looked like men to, to everyone and they came and they bowed themselves, or rather Lot bowed himself before them. And he said, oh, my lords, why don't you come into my, my servants, uh, into your servant's house and I'll wash your feet and I'll feed you. See, during this Eastern uh, 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 kind of culture, hospitality is so important. 
so important that you treat your guests right. So they, he was going overboard. Oh, this is awesome. And so Lot brought these angels. I don't know if he knew they were angels right away or not, but he brought them into his house. I understand the mixed company, so perhaps I, I will be a little careful how I say this, but you have to understand what it is. Before those people went to bed that night, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah was so wicked that they began to beat on the door of Lot's house. And they said, Lot, you've got two men in your house. You need to bring them out to us so we can do whatever we please in our debauched nature. We want to have them. We want to we use them and abuse them. And Lot, I just, I just cannot fathom this at all. Lot goes out, shuts the door behind him, and he says, no, you understand, guys. I can't let you hurt and harm and abuse these, these guests in my house. That, that would be an affront to my hospitality. I, there's no way I can do it. Tell you what, so that I can appease you, I've got two daughters that have never known a man. Why don't I give them to you, and you can do whatever you want to do, and that way you can, I, I can save these men that have come under the shelter of my roof. That makes me violently ill to think that a man that has walked with God could fall to such a place that he would stoop to that and it's all because of the tragic decline of Lot. I'm here to tell you graduates. I'm here to tell you parents. I'm here to tell you church that it matters what we put our eyes on. It matters what we fixate on. It matters what we dream about. It matters what we think about. It matters what you get up in the morning and what consumes your mind because what you think about becomes what you act on and what you act on affects your soul until finally you're in the pit where Lot was that he was willing to sacrifice his own flesh and blood. The tragedy of Lot. The angels, it, 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 the angels told him, they said, look, we're, you know, uh, uh, first off, the angels blinded that, that crowd out there. The angels were probably blown away that Lot would stoop to do that. So they blinded that mob out there and they had to, you know, they couldn't see and they all left and Lot didn't have to give up his daughters and they shut the door and the men say to Lot, they say, do you have anybody here? I know you, you got a couple daughters. Do you have any son-in-laws? Do you have any, anybody else, any sons, any daughters? In fact, anyone you want in the city, this is your opportunity to leave because God is about to destroy this place. Lot goes and he finds his son-in-laws that were going to marry his daughters. They, they, they must have been betrothed. You know, he's already engaged. And he says, we got to get up. We got to get out of this place. The Lord is about to destroy, to destroy the city. But the son-in-laws thought he was jesting or joking. They didn't take him serious. So now you find out that when Lot wants to be spiritual, and when Lot wants to say, thus saith the Lord, the sons, they don't, they don't get that because they've never seen dad act that way before. They, they've never seen dad get spiritual. They had never seen dad pray. They had never seen dad move in the presence of the Lord. And so this became foreign soil to them. And when it mattered most, they couldn't believe it. 
and they were there. And so finally the day begins to dawn. And the angel said, come on, let's take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And the tragic words are written in the word of God. And Lot lingered. Every year there's stories of floods, there's stories of wildfires. Now in Hawaii, there's stories of volcanic eruptions. And every year you will find people that, that there was a mandatory evacuation order that was given. But every year I hear of those that waited just a little too long. They lingered. They didn't want to leave their home. They, they, they didn't want to leave it. But not only did they lose their home, but they would lose their life until finally the Bible says the angels seized him and literally dragged Lot out of the city. When they came out of the city and they got to the valley, the angels said, leave, escape for your life. Don't look back. Don't stop in the valley, but escape to the hills lest you be swept away. And just like Pharaoh negotiated with Moses, Lot began to negotiate with the people and those, those angels of the Lord. And they said, oh no, please don't make me go into the hills. It's too far. I'm too old. I, I can't take it. Why don't you let me go to this little bitty city over here and I'll escape there. And he began to negotiate. Lot got to that little city called Zoar or Zor, and he woke up the next day and there was nothing but smoldering craters where Sodom and Gomorrah was. It had rained hellfire and brimstone. It had pounded the city so far in the ground that there are a lot of archaeologists that say that's where the Dead Sea is right now. That it pounded Sodom and Gomorrah so far into the earth that a sea is there and it's a dead sea with nothing there. And of course, we know the story. Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Lot couldn't bear to live in Zor, and he finally did go up and live in the hills with his two daughters. He lived in a cave, he had lost everything. Now he's living like some hermit in the backside of some desert in a cave. And, and again, his daughters, they go, you know, this isn't fair. Our dad, man, our, 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 our engaged uh, uh, husbands, they died. And now we're stuck in a cave with dad and we don't have anything. And so they got their dad drunk and they slept with their dad. And they were trying to extend the lineage. And the story of Lot ends in, the, in a most convoluted, horrible destroyed way the tragedy the tragedy of Lot the tragedy of Lot is this it was his decision to live as close to the world as possible and it cost him his wife and it cost him his son-in-laws and it cost him his daughters and it cost him his wealth because he set his eyes on the world I could stop right there and I could preach that and we could, we could walk away and I, I, I totally get it. You're not going to shout tonight on this message. I understand that with everything that's in me. But there is a verse in the Bible that about a week or so ago or, or a week or so 
now it'd be probably three weeks ago, began to burn in my mind as I began to look at it. And the Lord allowed me to put it together. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We have places in the word of God where we hear remember Lot's wife. You just, we, we read at the beginning, you know, Lot and, 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 and you know, he, he, he vexed his soul. By the way, I, I know what the word of God says and I'm not going to deny it. I'm not trying to say it's wrong by any stretch of the imagination. But I find it very hard to rectify Second uh, uh, Peter saying righteous Lot with the life that Lot lived. My only thought of that is much like David who lived a life where he messed up big time. But at the end of his life, David said he's a man after God's own heart. My only assumption can be this, is that Lot found himself back in the presence of God after losing everything, and he made himself right. But I I want you to realize, as we read in 2 Peter, that it it said that, that Lot vexed his soul because of where he lived. Young people, I want you to hear me. Kaya. Amber, Austin, I want you to listen to me carefully. Moms and dads and families and grandparents, I want you to listen to me. Paul said, maybe not everything is not lawful. You know, that there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't say, you know, thou shalt not do, Brother Cozart. But can I tell you, why in the world would you want to put yourself where your soul is vexed, where you live a month? I mean, it's bad enough that you got to live in this world, but I'm telling you, don't be of this world. But too many people now, they get themselves into a situation and they get themselves into a position where their soul is vexed and your soul is grieved. It's not worth it. What does a man have? What would he give in exchange for his soul? What is your soul worth? But I want to tell you, this is the tragedy of Lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me start in verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a, still, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building on it. Now watch this. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But now if any man builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones and wood and hay and straw, each one's works will become manifest for the day will disclose it and it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what work each one has done. So here's the story. It's kind of the biblical story of the three little pigs. Remember that story? Three little pigs, one built their house of straw, one built their house of wood. One built their house of brick. The old bad, big bad wolf came by and said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he blew and that house that was made of straw blew away like nothing. He came to the house that was made of sticks. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he blew and maybe it lasted a little longer than the straw, but pretty soon it crashed and it burned. But when the wolf came to the house built of stone, he blew and blew until his face turned blue. 
Like that? I knew you'd like it, Jared. And, and it couldn't matter. It's the same principle of if you build your house on the sand, when the wind and waves come, it's going to fall. But if you build your house on the rock, it's going to stand. But the, uh, P- uh, Paul says you need to be careful what you build your life around. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So we're talking about those that believe Jesus Christ. We're talking about Christians. We're talking about those that come to church. What are you going to build your life on? But watch this. This, I'm telling you, when, when, when I read this, Brother Perryman, and I know you and I, we talk a lot, and you've had them, those moments where God, it's like a billboard with lights going bing, 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 bing. This is important, Brandon. Watch this. Remember, it says whatever you're going to build, it's going to be tried by fire. But look at verse 15. Verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if the works that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. That's verse 14. Here's verse 15. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. I am am grieved in my spirit about this. I know I've preached a little bit to these young people and these graduates about how they position themselves for their future, but i got to talk to some parents right now. It grieves me because you absolutely could live your life, and at the end of your life, you might be saved, but your entire family could be lost because you, watch this, I've heard it. I may have been guilty of saying it myself. I can watch this. I can go there, I can do this, because I can handle it. I'm mature in my Christianity. I'm mature in my walk with God. So I can go there, and it's not going to affect me. Hey, you're walking a dangerous road that Lot walked. You might be able to get in the middle of Sodom, and maybe at the end of your life, you might even be said, as it was in Second Peter, righteous Lot or righteous you. But my question is, what did you lose because of where you were? Lot lost it all. Oh, yeah, sure, maybe Lot could say, well, I didn't die. Later on, I'll even be called righteous, and he could smirk, and he could shout, and he could lift his head. But Lot, what did you lose because you got too fixated on the material things of this world? Lot said, oh, it would be so much easier. You know, I, 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 I listen to me very carefully. I am not in any way, shape, or form against higher education. I went to college. I graduated with a bachelor's. I've very, and I, I emphasis on very slowly, have started a journey to get a master's. I think I'll achieve it when I'm 93 years old. My father has, a, has an associate's, has a bachelor's, has two master's, and he's in his dissertation writing for his doctorate. I'm not against higher education. I am not against you having a good job. I think it's vitally important to the, th- to the kingdom of God that you have a good job, you provide for your family, and you give to the church and you help the cause of Christ. 
But if your schooling and your job becomes a fixation like Lot that says, I want the easy road, I want the materialistic things, I want the riches that the world has to offer, I'm telling you, Dad, I'm telling you, Mom, you may have the biggest house in O'Fallon and you may have a lot of toys in your garage, but can I ask you one question? Where are your family? I would rather Lot have said, you know what? I know it might be easier over there to raise you know, our herds, but I don't think it'd be good to drag my family that close to the world. So I'm gonna back out a little bit. Maybe I gotta walk a little farther to find some water. Maybe I gotta walk a little farther to find the grass, but I don't wanna be so close to the world that they're sucked in and I surely don't want it to be said that I might be saved but everything else I work so hard for is lost Lot let the wealth and the easiness of the well water plains lure him and he overlooked the wickedness I see this more and more how easy it we, 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 we get. How easy and how fast we get to the place where we see just the good things and we just quickly overlook that underlining danger. Somebody tries to say, Lot, I don't know if you ought to go over there. Now, I, Sodom and Gomorrah, they don't have a great reputation. I mean, anything and everything that that flies in the face of God, they're doing over there. You ought not go over there. And Lot brushes that warning away. And he says, yeah, but, but look at the grass. And look at how well watered. I mean, it will be so easy and I'll be able to spend more time with my family. And, and you know, I'll be able to, to do all of this and Lot just overlook the danger. I've seen it time and time again. I've, I've, I've been in this all my life, Brother Steve. This is all I know, preaching. And when I was Zeke's age, I was sleeping. I was under pews counting the gum that people stuck under there, and I've never to my days figured out why you stick gum under a pew. I've never been guilty of sticking gum under a pew, but somebody is because it's everywhere. I've heard preachers, Brother uh, uh your name, Brother uh, Harpole, that's who I'm thinking of. It's coming. You, you, you told me, I think it was the other day, you said you pastored for 40 years. Is that right? 40 years pastoring. I'm in my 10th year. I, I'm, I've just now reached a quarter of pastoring. If God allows me to pastor for 40 years, that's 30 more years. I'll be 69 years old. Almost 70. Whew. Maybe I'll be a bishop or something. Hopefully there'll be some younger guy that'll be able to keep preaching. But, but I, I've talked to pastors that have, that have pastored. They've told me the horror stories of families. And, but here's the problem. I got my own horror stories from my ministry. In, in, in nine and a half years of pastoring and four, uh, three and a half years of youth pastoring, I, I could lay it out. 
I can tell you moms and dads that took the route of Sodom and Gomorrah and they may still be in church but their kids are nowhere close to being in church. I could talk about dads that, that, that gave it all to their job and gave it all to the materialistic things of the world and in doing so gained a riches and gained a wealth and prestige lost a marriage and lost a family because they were it was all too easy to overlook the wickedness because they wanted the ease and the well-being Kea, Amber, Austin you, you stand today, and I know for some of you you, you, you may have already picked your future college, and maybe you've got kind of a, 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 a career path laid out for you, and I, I'm okay with that. But there is a verse in the Bible, and I prayed it over each of you as I prayed for you here. There is a verse in the Bible that if I could if I could give it to you and let you put it, I, I, not that I believe in tattooing, but I wish you'd tattoo it on the back of your eyelids so you could never get away from it. Every time you blink, you'd see it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek the scholarship first. Don't seek the internship first. Don't seek the money first. Don't seek the relationships first. Don't seek the family first. Don't seek the riches first. Don't seek the well first. Don't seek all of that first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and if you will all these things shall be added unto you. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but I'm closing. But Abraham and Lot were connected when they left and went to Canaan's land. I am well aware that the promise was to Abraham. I know that. I'm not changing the word of God. But I will tell you that after Sodom and Gomorrah fell, no more hardly is heard of Lot at all. But Abraham... Abraham is connected from this time on. And Lot could have been a beneficiary of that if he would have sought first the kingdom of God. Lot could have been in that, in that family. He wouldn't have been the one that God called. I understand all that. But Lot could have been there. Lot could have been a, a, a part of this new nation that was being birthed. Lot could have been a part of all the things that God has. But instead, we get Lot as a footnote. Remember Lot. Remember Lot's wife, the tragedy of Lot. I want you to stand in this place tonight.